Hi, welcome to the Feminist Fiction Podcast. I'm Natalie. Hi. And I'm Megan. Hi. Um, This week, I'm so excited about this one, with Halloween (laughs) approaching, we are doing an episode that's kind of about witches. I say witches, but like loosely witches, because we are going to talk about sort of ritualistic, magic-y, spiritual things, right? That involve women and groups of women. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm quite excited for this one. It's like I'm I know Megan is not much of a horror fan, but I am. So I'm going to bring a few horror examples in. Yeah, that's but, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, it's true. I'm not really a horror fan at all. However, I do love all things witchy, so I'm excited yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and I think like it's probably a good place for us to start, isn't it, to talk a bit about that because I think. Um, you know, within the feminist fiction book clubs, it's like there's a bit of a divide maybe between people that are into like witchy astrology Mm. things and people that aren't. Um, But I would say both you and I very much are. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we love... Yeah, absolutely. I think there's also, I I mean, it's perhaps a bit of a generalisation, but I think men or people identifying, you know, as straight men... Mm. seem to be very very against uh horoscopes in mm. the in recent years that seems to be like something they take pride in to dislike yeah. horoscopes and witchy things <laughs> yeah because i mean like horoscopes we're we're both quite into horoscopes and like astrology and i feel like that then kind of can widen out into things like tarot card reading and like yeah those kind of things right like i feel like people are into astrology maybe also like those types of things and then like that Mm. can branch out into like saging your house and that kind of thing yeah 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 like and then it's like it's not it's what it's only one step removed from putting a hex on someone do you know what I mean it's a slippery slope into that into proper yeah like witchy you stuff. can see it as a slippery slope or like I, I think it's brilliant <laughs> like I want to find out more and more and like learn how to sage my home like there's I feel like there's so much more I could learn and I don't see it at all as an embarrassing thing yeah. um in fact, I feel very annoyed when people won't tell me their, their star sign. <laughs> I just want to know about them. What, like, people actually are like, no, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like, they're private about it. No, I just mean, it. like, you know, like on dating apps, if they don't say what their star yeah, sign yeah. is. I always feel like immediately swiping, it, like, the other way. Because yeah. I need to know. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I mean, I, I feel like you're right about men not being into it I mean I've weirdly gotten my boyfriend into it um yes. like but it I don't think I don't think he was at all at the beginning like he kind of thought it was quite silly and then I yeah just, but he's like, quite gradually... open-minded Ross yeah that's good that he <laughs> was like able about to <laughs> yeah now he actually says things to me where he'll be like oh so so Taurus of you and I'm like look yes. at you <laughs> you've come yeah, over to so the dark good. side so, so good. Yeah, let's talk about our own star signs before we start talking yeah. about books and movies and stuff. Um, yeah. Like, do you do you feel, well, I know that you do, but for the viewers, like, yeah. benefits, do you feel like you relate to your sun sign and your, you know, rising <laughs> like, <yeah>. sign? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> this is our favourite conversation. <laughs> so, I am, I'm a Taurus, but... My chart is like, I'm Taurus sun, I'm Aquarius moon, and I'm Libra rising. 
And I read that like the sun sign, this is, I guess, yeah, for people maybe that are not in horoscopes, is like, is basically like your core sort of personality. Mm-hmm. Then your moon sign is like your internal, more like your internal mind and the way you think. And your rising yeah. sign is like what you want to present to the world. So, <laughs> and I do feel like they're all quite accurate for me. Um, like, why? Well, I'm Taurus. Some of the things about Taurus are that we're like, we really like, like comfort and like luxury mm-hmm. to some degree. And I am very much like that. Like, I love being comfortable and like cozy, but also I love like kind of bougie things. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, like just for context, yeah. everyone, like right now, Natalie has swaddled herself <laughs> in a massive scarf. <laughs> I'm so cozy. Like, I was saying to you the other day that like I love like hotels and I'm so bad for like, like treating myself but like all the time I'll be like I, I deserve love that. this like expensive coffee or like I deserve this massage <laughs> <laughs> like every day of my life but like that's where my money goes on stuff like yeah. that like things that are like experiences that like make me feel good I would say yeah but also like what the other things that we're quite stubborn I think that is quite true like I'm <clears throat> I always think I'm right and which is probably like a nightmare for my boyfriend (laughs) so those are the Taurus things I think Aquarius is more like actually you can be quite like um detached and observational and I think like I read this thing the other day that was like Aquarius moons like notice everything and I feel like I am Mm. like that I really like pick up on things um and I'm more maybe like rational internally the way I think about it is just like more of an Aquarius thing but I think also, also like, Aquarians are meant to be like the most kind of quirky and artistic which would definitely suit you as well you know yeah like create creativity definitely mm. but then like the Libra thing is quite interesting for me because like when I read that thing about like what you, that's what you want to present to the world like our friend Saffron <laughs> to give her a shout out is a Libra mm. and I feel like I want to, I want to be like I want people to think that I'm like <laughs> like oh, the way so that lovely. she's in terms sure of being like balanced and like calm and like those do you know what I mean like that's what I oh, yeah. would like to project I don't think that's yeah. what I actually like but that's what I that's what I want <laughs> so people to think no about for me. sure I think people think that about you yeah that's really interesting I love that for you <laughs> so yeah there's the breakdown of my whole chart <laughs> <laughs> I won't get into the other parts of it because that's too much for one episode. <laughs> but but how like, about you? it's never, it's never too much for me, Natalie. Like yeah. me and Natalie have this conversation <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about me? Uh, I am Cancer Sun, um, uh, and I'm kind of on the cusp, which means my rising sign, which is Leo, is probably more dominant than other people's. Like, because my birthday is the 21st of the month so I, I do feel very like I'm actually very split between Cancer and Leo and I also have an awful lot of Leo in my chart like it's very predominant um so I don't think it's just that Leo is the sign that I show to the world it's also like quite deeply who I probably feel more so mm. that I am but but Cancer is um very emotional it's a water sign 
very like manipulative and <laughs> moody. And I to be honest, I think I am all those things. You know, whenever I take like Harry Potter quizzes, I always get Slytherin. That's also a manipulative <laughs> one. I think what it is, it's just like, I just feel things really deeply. And I just, so I do really relate to the cancer element. You know, I do feel like there's like a river of emotion in me and that really like people get to see that when they get close to me, like, you know, that, you know, like there's like a lot of overthinking going on all of the time. Um, and I, saw, I think um, a meme the other day, I meant to send it to you because it made me laugh. And yeah. It, said, it was like, if you think that cancers are sensitive, have you ever met a Leo? And I was like, poor Megan. Oh <laughs> yeah and then like my moon is like uh pisces and that's quite emotional too so definitely like emotional is a heavy thing however leo being my most dominant thing that's it is slightly different like leo is supposed to be the most kind of mm, like i saw a meme the other day for the taylor swift album where they were saying that bejeweled was the song that represented leo like mm-hmm. it's very like flashy and like likes to get glammed up and yeah. kind of dominant and um, like leadery, like a lion. That's the yeah. sign for a lion. And I think that is probably very me as well. Like I'm not just a ball of emotions. I think what people, or at least what I hope people see when they meet me is like someone quite um, confident and like mm. self-assured and maybe a little bit um, too bossy. A lot too fiery. bossy. Leo, <laughs> yeah, fiery. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do feel like I really relate to that too. Would you say that's accurate for me? <laughs> yeah. You know, like for anyone that watched Love Island, like Ekin Sue was a Leo. And I feel like she really yes. is like the, uh, the, the perfect embodiment of Leo. <laughs> 100%. And like, I definitely felt like I related to her so much. Like mm. just... You know, even with what we're saying about the manipulative element, like she wants to have everything her way all of the time. And to be honest, that's how I've always been. Like my whole life, that's how I've always been. You know, I used to, when my, when I was younger, my parents always tell stories about how I would like organize all the teddies and tell them exactly what to do. That would be my favorite game of just having them all around the table and being like, it's my way or the highway. And luckily I had a little brother who really went along with that. Like all of our games were like me telling him exactly what to do as my like Mm. servant. Mm. (laughs) I was like the princess. (laughs) So yeah, very Leo, very Leo energy. Do you have like, um, like star signs that you like clash with, you know? Yes. Yeah. We're going to go here. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I do. Um, Oh, I don't want to say because it's like so... (laughs) People listening. I think it's fair to say though that it is quite complex because whilst like I know what mine is, I think there will be people that are that star sign that I probably do get on with because like their charts are Mm. a certain way. Like I think it's more complex. Like for example, like I'm not supposed to be very... And my boyfriend's an Aquarius and we're not supposed Mm -hmm. to be compatible, but because I've got it in my chart, it actually is that. So... Mm. It's like, yeah, it's more complex. Like, I mine is Gemini, I was going to say. And, like, generally, yeah. I've not gotten on that well with Geminis. But then again, it's like, maybe there are people, you know, that where, like, they've got something in their chart and then it will work. So, but, yeah, yeah. Just, I, it is true when I think about every Gemini I've ever met we haven't gone. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I would say in general air signs, I do always struggle with, although I have plenty of air signs in my life who are like my closest friends. I think there is like a baseline disconnect, which I have to work through because they are so driven by like fun and frivolity and like, um, you know, conversation and spark and, and they're really into, um, you know, like witticisms and stuff. And I feel like as a person, because I'm so watery, I feel very like heavy and I often feel around all my water, all my air sign friends, I often feel like I'm the one like dragging it into really heavy territory about like past traumas when we're having a conversation <laughs> and like they just want to have fun. And I, yeah. it makes me feel like really just heavy and like boring and I... So it's not like I dislike them. I need them. I definitely need them in my life to make me have fun too, 100%. Mm. But mm. I, I I always feel that with everyone who I've ever met who is an air sign, um, who's close to me, I, I always end up feeling like after I spend time with them, I have to go home and be like, no, Megan, you are fun. Like, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> oh, bless you. You are fun. I just don't think yeah like I just don't think that's my dominant trait and I think that's what I like about star signs it feels to me like validating yeah that it's okay okay. yeah yeah like that's okay because I you know you could see my super emotionalness as a good thing you know that my that my dominant trait is like nurturing and caring yeah you know rather than manipulative like it's the way you look at it and it's I think horoscopes have really like trained me to mm. see the good parts in myself and to see the things that I think are ugly as strengths. So yeah. Yeah. And I think like the thing that I think like to kind of go into our topic around like witches and rituals and these things. Sometimes mm. I feel a bit like people take it all a bit too seriously. Like, there's yeah. something about, like, in a way, it doesn't really matter whether it's real or not. I think, like, sometimes, for example, you're talking about with, like, men not really liking horoscopes is they're like, well, it's just made up and it's not scientific or whatever. Mm. But it's, like, it sort of doesn't really matter. Like, the thing you're talking about of it being validating and, like, I do sort of believe in it. But, you know, it it giving you something in the same way that, like, doing a tarot card reading might be helpful for you to, like, get somewhere in your life with some problem. Mm or like staging your house or make you feel good about your space do I mean it's Mm. like why why does it matter whether or not it's like you know like you think it's real true but like like, I have to say like I kind of I do kind of agree with that but I also kind of disagree just in the sense that for me personally I really do believe in this stuff and I wouldn't laugh at what somebody else believed and like to me, I, I get really annoyed when men start on that train of, you know, that they hate horoscopes, that it's really silly. Um, because I'm not I'm not laughing about what you like. And it just feels very much like the same sort of um, spiel that I used to get as a teenager from men who would uh, put down the music that girls love. Mm. You know, when it was that period in my youth where all of the musicians were boys in bands. Mm. Um, You know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, for me, at the moment, it feels like astrology is a core part of female culture. 
and it feels like men are putting that down and so it makes me even more protective of it like mm. no you know don't just disparage this thing just because it's not masculine enough for you yeah. um yeah yeah and like I definitely think and this will come out I think some of the examples that we're going to talk about like it's almost something that's either dismissed as like very silly mm. or it's seen as like it's like maligned do you know what I mean and it's made into mm. something that's like very dangerous to society almost right yeah um and they are these things like you know with us having like menstrual cycles that are like 28 days in line with the moon like they're all this like witchiness mm. is like in sort of inherently feminine mm-hmm. and it is against that kind of like more masculine like rational scientific thing I know that you know these are like very different right. ways of looking at these things but like yeah. that's how they've traditionally been seen and it's like therefore yeah. it's either dismissed or maligned like it's like it's that's yeah, so it's true like if you follow that line of of thought it's like what the what those specific kind of blokes are saying when they disparage this they're very clearly saying this doesn't make sense that's their that's their frame of, of understanding this. It's like, it doesn't make sense to me, therefore it's not true. Mm. Which, to me, is like, <laughs> not enough. Because mm. so many things in life don't make sense. Mm. And I don't think that you should just apply, like, logic to problems. And yeah. this is like a spiritual thing, you know? Yeah, and it's like maybe making room for more like emotional spiritual things is like no bad Mm. thing do you know what I mean yeah right exactly like and that again is such a stereotypically like female thing isn't it to Mm. feel emotions and to and spirituality in general Mm. yeah what do you I mean like should we maybe should we start with um yeah we we're going to talk a little bit about how I was going to talk a little bit about hocus pocus. Like yeah, just briefly, it, yeah. I'm not going to get super into it, but I guess like I think probably hocus pocus is one of maybe one of the first ways. Well, I was about to say the first ways that I engage with witches, but actually, I think I used to read those books, Meg and Mog. Do you remember those kids' books? Oh, me too. <laughs> yes. That was probably the first witch that I engaged Cute. with, and I feel like when I've been thinking about this thing, there's like these different versions of witches right in like our yes, culture and yeah. like Megan Morgan almost like the Harry Potter witches for example mm. and like Sabrina the teenage witch um, oh and also in primary school now we still teach these books which I think were around when we were little called Winnie the Witch there's a whole series of Winnie yeah. the Witch books too yeah and they're kind of like nice okay witches right that are kind of like have yeah. a little like wand and they fly around in a broom and they usually have like a cat and yeah like they're... Winnie the Witch she's always like getting into trouble she just like yeah. constantly like doing a spell and turning something orange instead of blue like it's so yeah. innocent and sweet <laughs> yeah and like it's uh yeah I guess like kind of childish witchiness it's like it's like a tamed down version of it because the other example I was thinking when I was a kid is like the Roald Dahl book The Witches and they're very like evil you know and they're they're like a group of them and there's like I've I've gone you can tell already that I've gone deep into this topic (laughs) like there's in like Macbeth she's going Shakespeare oh I love Macbeth they have witches in that as well you know and they're similar to the Roald Dahl thing Mm. but like um yeah I was gonna say with Hocus Pocus it's interesting because Hocus Pocus is quite like a fun 
funny version of witches. But like they're the hoax folks, you know, witches, they are like villains. And it's like Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Midler, and I can't remember who the other actress is. But let me find out. Um, Kathy Najimy? I actually don't know who this is. But you know if you saw her. And it's, yeah, they are, they're kind of older and they like suck the life out of children. They like use their youth to like maintain their own <laughs> like youth as as women which is an interesting idea to me because it's like that's it's like I think something that is associated with women right this idea of like wanting to be young and stay younger like you know we've talked about age on this podcast before and like yeah that's so interesting as like I haven't seen this but like really I had thought from an outside perspective how great this must be a movie about older women Mm. having like being at the forefront and having amazing skills and whatever but that's to me that sounds quite depressing that the mm. main theme of this is that they want to be younger I'm really sad about that now I didn't know but that they're like it's interesting though because like whilst they're the villains they're kind of like they're, it's kind of like a cult classic and people love them yeah do you know what I mean like actually yeah and also that like they as the th- there's three of them and like they are like very they're quite feminist in a way there's like a there's a bit Mm. in the film where like these men are these boys are like kind of shouting at them on the street and then they like fuck them up basically (laughs) as a result (laughs) of it and they're very much like if one if like that something bad happens with one of them they form like a calming circle between the three of them and they like help each other that's just like us And like, yeah, it's like actually quite feminist, and I think, and I think also those three like they make it very funny. You know, it's like a pretty yeah. funny film, but it's it's like it's it kind of like starts the ball rolling a bit maybe on that thing of this like groups of women and like covens and this idea that mm. like when they come together they're very powerful and dangerous, but like mm. within the coven there's like a lot of good stuff, and I wonder it's like again with like um yeah this like witchy thing it's like why witches have been maligned in the past because it's almost like this holy female thing this holy female community and that's like Mm. very scary to anyone who's not within it do you know what I mean well I think it's scared what what it's like at its core it's scary because the more that women talk the more that women are together and just talking to each other, the more they can unpick all of the ways in which society is working against them. Mm. You know, mm. it's like, I think that's what, that's why it's inherently scary that women should be on their own in a room together because society is set up in such a way that like the aim seems to be, or one of the aims seems to be like, that the woman is alone in in her house with the babies, like, and no one to talk to mm-hmm. while the man goes out to work and, like, makes social connections all the time and makes the money and, like, I f- you know, that's... I mean, that's very 1950s, isn't it? But I guess it's kind of making me think of the movie we went to see recently with Don't Worry Darling. I know that's not about witchiness, mm. but in that, it's, like, a core um, theme of that movie that they're trying to keep the women separate so they don't discuss what's Mm. working against them. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Mm. And that, like, when they come together, they have this power, you know? Yeah. um, Yeah. And are maybe, like, more powerful than the men. Like... Yeah, because ultimately, like, we're the ones that, like, 
make the babies. That's like so magical and weird. Like we talked about yeah. last time, like yeah. we're the original, like powerful ones, I think. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's really interesting. Cause like, it's being obviously like witch in the term witch hunt, you know, being a witch historically was something that people mm. were killed for. And now it's become kind of cool, like in modern day culture. Yeah. Like, and we're yeah. seeing loads of like examples of it, like springing up. And like, I read this article about, <laughs> I didn't realize this, but apparently how in America, like witch, being like a witch has become like a real thing within feminism to the point where like people were putting like hexes on, there was this like trend of people putting hexes on like Donald Trump and like yeah. people that they wanted to like call out. It was like almost like a social justice thing. And like okay. Hillary, like Donald Trump, like accused Hillary Clinton of like being a witch in his campaign, right? And it's been like, I guess, like, uh, like um, owned. I think it's being owned now by women. Yeah, like, decided that yeah. they've been like called witches, and like now mm-hmm. the term has been kind of reappropriated as like a positive thing. Mm. And people are really leaning into yeah. it. Absolutely, because I mean, originally, like the reasons why women would be like burnt at the stake wasn't always because they were even practicing hexes or magic or anything like that. You know, mm. a, a woman was considered a witch just just for, like, like I right now would 100% have been accused of being a witch in the past because mm. I'm living on my own. I'm an unmarried woman and, and that was suspicious and that was reason enough for a woman to be called a witch and to be burnt at the stake. Like, I read that yeah. in a museum once and I was like, whoa, I love that. Like, yeah. And how amazing that I'm getting to live this life um but how atrocious that so many women were not able to live like a single life on their own in peace and yeah yeah, awful awful yeah it's so interesting like I read this article by you know bitch media like it's like a feminist yeah okay that was about it's actually the article is actually about how these things we're talking about have been like used by like capitalism essentially Mm. now and they're being kind of monetized but I pulled it I wanted to just read this quote from it out because I thought it was a really good like summary of like this witch thing now Mm. so witches are feared because oppressed people with power are feared for centuries African indigenous Mm. feminist and folk spiritualities have have suffered violent persecution and suppression for the mere accusation of witchcraft In the American spiritual lexicon, the witch is an amalgam of deep-seated misogyny and racism, a projection of all that is hated, sexually liberated, unmarried, ageing, queer, asexual, embittered, Mm. racialized, primitive. She embodies the demonic, immoral forces that seek to tempt and take vengeance on the righteous. The witch Mm. is both the silenced, disbelieved, accused survivor and a terrifying threat to white male power a symbolic identity that deeply resonates with women and marginalised people using platforms like Instagram to radically empower each other, to live their politics, work for themselves and share their knowledge with their communities. Love it's that. It's like, amazing, <laughs> like summary of it. Yeah. But I was like, I think that's why it's being like owned. And like, just to bring it back to Hocus Pocus, <laughs> wait a second. There's, like a, there's a new film coming out, which I haven't seen yet. Um, but I'm excited to watch. I think it's on like mm-hmm. Disney, which I've just, the latest streaming platform that we can shout about. But um, I'm interested to see what the new film is like. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because that one, which was like a 90s film, had quite a lot of sexist tropes in it, I guess, about mm. women and like the way that they are portrayed, like this thing of 
you know, sucking the life out of children for their youth and being these kind of like, almost like, like old hags, right? It's that thing that that yeah. quote is talking about, like single, older, al- like alone, mm. unattractive. And I think, I imagine with the new one, it's going to be much more feminist. <laughs> like, I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, with like the discourse of the past few years and the way that the witches are seen now, like I'm excited to see yeah, that's what cool. They do with I like it, that. You know. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it's all making me think a lot about um, like my favorite book, which is "Women Who Run with the Wolves." Have you read that? No, it's it's very good. It's by Clarissa Pinkler Estes. I think she's from like an indigenous community, and like it's I've spoken about this before on the podcast. So sorry if I'm repeating myself, but. It, it's just such a good book. I feel like mm. it's, it bears talking about within this context um, because it's about old folk tales from the past and like reclaiming them and restructuring them and in like a feminist way. And her basic theme throughout this very, very long book is that she wants to throw out the window all of the elements of femininity that we've been socialised to believe that we need in a sense, like, to summarise, it's kind of like getting rid of the concept of the good girl Mm. and going back to the roots of, like, who we are as beings. And just because you mentioned there, like, this idea of the old hag, and she kind of uses that image of, like, an old hag kind of wandering through the desert, collecting bones and stuff. Like, it's just so visual, the book. It's amazing. Um... And she uses that as like a really empowering image of like, you know, who are we? Who were we before somebody told us to like sit correctly and use our knives and forks correctly and do our hair in a pretty way? And, Mm. you know, I think that's what's so challenging and suspicious about witchcraft and so appealing for women because, Mm. you know we as women have come so far away from that, so many of us. And Mm. I guess even just thinking about like Patti Smith, that's the kind of image I have in my head when I think about this wild woman that she Mm. creates in that book. Mm. You know, like somebody who has long grey hair and is just like so powerful and saying so many amazing wise things. Mm. Um, And that's why I think like white men especially are so suspicious of all this stuff because mm. it's a, it poses a real threat mm. to all the structures that they've put in place to keep themselves on the top of the hierarchy uh, pyramid, you know? Yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, it's, I think that thing you're saying of like good girls and bad girls, I mean, like to lead into bad girls, we wanted to talk about yellow jackets, which is oh, a yeah. series it. that we're both <laughs> obsessed with. Like it was on earlier this year, right? And I think we maybe have mentioned it on the podcast before in terms of like something we were watching, but it's about a a group of girls who are on a soccer team together and they're like, they're like champions. They're really good. They go. It's based on a true story as well. Yeah. Which is mad, isn't it? (laughs) But they go on this, um, they're flying to like the championships to play in this final, I Mm -hmm. think. And their plane crashes and they're like lost in this wilderness um and it's basically like right at the this isn't a spoiler like the first scene that you see in the in the show is like them chasing they're in the woods together and they're all wearing these like weird outfits aren't they like mm. fur and like you know fat like fashioned out of stuff that they've hunted 
and they're chasing this girl through the woods and they kill her and then they like mm-hmm. eat her basically mm-hmm. so you're saying like straight off the bat where it goes for these girls and then yeah. you're brought like all the way back to them playing football together being normal teenage girls and I think that's what makes it such a compelling show because you're like how did it get to this point right like that's what you want to know yeah yeah, it's, um, it's like, it's based on a true story, but it's also based on Lord of the Flies. So if you've ever read that, that's that's also like the main premise of this. But instead of it being like a bunch of young boys on a, an island marooned with no one around, it's a bunch of young girls. So they flip that all on its head. And I think what's really great about the series as well, as well as there being like pretty much only roles for women. I mean, it's so many mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. actresses. It's not just the young girls on the island that you're seeing. You're also seeing them as adults mm. um, and the trauma that they've experienced as a result of their experiences on the island, um, what that's doing to their adult lives back at home. Yeah. Um, and those actresses, like you know, are phenomenal. So it's just an amazing show to watch, isn't it, in general? Like, we loved it. Yeah, and it's like there's... You start to see, like, as the series goes on, how, yeah, these, like... weird like ritualistic practices that they obviously started Mm. doing when they were teenagers uh, still exist in their lives to some degree um and it's it's quite like dark in that respect isn't it and it's like there's one of one of the characters um Thaisa you know in her Mm -hmm. in her present day she is running for office as like a sen I think as a senator yeah I love that you yeah like start to see how she's like using some of these like witchy things mm. or like it's like suggested anyway it's not really conclusive in her daily life and I think it's interesting it's like this thing about like which like the power of the witch and like whether you can actually harness these things to like affect your life because in a way mm. like what we're talking about with like tarot card reading and everything like it is a version of that isn't it it's like and people like you know putting doing like spells and things like that is a thing that Mm -hmm. you can do now or you can like buy stuff off the internet um and again it's seen as quite silly but then in yellow jackets I mean it's very dark the stuff that they're doing but they're suggesting that it's not like they're suggesting that it is powerful and I think what I find interesting about the level of people's feeling like tarot cards and everything is silly is that it's so similar in a lot of ways to religions. Yeah. You know, no no one's going around saying that people who pray are silly. Even yeah. people who are not religious don't go around calling that silly. Mm. Like, but it's very similar. It's so similar to what you've just said, isn't it? It's exactly mm. the same where all you are doing is trying to streamline like your thought processes so that you can live your life in a more meaningful way. Like, mm. essentially, that's all that tarot and things are, are for. Mm. You know, it's not necessarily about um, just, like, predicting the future. It's about how can you kind of live your life in such a way that the future becomes inevitably beautiful because every day you've worked towards, like some little way of like achieving more of your goals and things mm. like that which is exactly the same as prayer and religion to me I just don't get how it's silly personally yeah I read something that was saying that like they like astrology they think is sort of like millennial religion almost like it's like yeah yeah giving because we're like largely living in a sort of secular 
society in like England anywhere where we are yeah now it it's like giving people that element of spirituality that they feel they're missing you know like meaning like meaning in life is is important yeah I completely think for me personally that's the role that it takes in my life because I'm not a religious person but I think I needed something to cling on to like especially during the pandemic like I could Mm. see why there was such a I think it's not a coincidence is it that like tarot and astrology and stuff have had such a boom in recent years at the same Mm. time as like you know the climate crisis the pandemic like absolute chaos in politics you know it's it's really doom time Mm -hmm. and we needed something and I think this is this is what's worked for me personally but to come back to your original point I get what you're saying that in this film there definitely are more negative connotations than what Mm. I'm describing (laughs) yeah and I guess like um a tv show sorry yeah yeah with like this thing of um women coming together like one kind of I think interpretation maybe of like witches and and like these female communities because like one example that we I wanted to talk about a bit was this film Suspiria which is a horror film that was like remade a few years ago Mm -hmm. and similarly is like is about a dance school with these this all-female community run by these three mothers they call them and they're like witches Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, negative uh, representation of which is larger and they're very scary. But it's like, I, I think there's this, this thing about like this all-female community, but also like the damage that women can inflict on one another. Like it is okay. talking about that of like to look at the kind of negative side of it of like um, how things like female expectation and things like mother-daughter relationships can be very like damaging and um that women can do these really like terrible things to one another like I'm not saying that that's what I agree with but it's just uh a reading of it and again in yellow jackets I mean that's the case right to some degree it kind of descends into like really bad stuff Mm. um and it is yeah like tied to this kind of higher power thing right yeah yeah I mean I guess like that is the core theme of Lord of the Flies in the first instance anyway isn't it it's like the gradual descent into madness yeah um and perhaps like removing the other sex like I think that's what's interesting about Lord of the Flies and that's what's interesting about Yellow Jackets like it's like a question that they've posed and they're trying to answer isn't it like what would happen if only one gender was in one place. Mm. And I mean, there's there's a book about that too. I can't remember the name of it. But I haven't read it. But there is a book about an island of women who, that like Dave suggested for a book club once. Maybe it's called like Motherland or something. Mm. But it's just an interesting concept in general, isn't it? You know, what, mm. would, what would happen if that was well, the case? Well, I mean, in Yellow Jackets, they have two men are there, right? They have their coach who is with, who's a yeah. man. And they have... Uh, oh no three men there's like um oh my god what's he called he's like he's also a teenager and like his dad was like their manager I think is that right and then they're pretty minor characters but yeah yeah. they are there yeah yeah their their dad dies on the plane and it's just the two of them um Mm -hmm. like quite a young boy and then a teenage boy right so he says it's just three men but again like in this community of women 
like almost in the face of that it's like they're like completely powerless suddenly aren't they like the women are very much in charge mm. um mm. when they have the majority i would say like it's um yeah it's that which is interesting yeah which it's the same kind of thing that happens in the show the wilds which um i watched and loved i can't understand why it's not getting um picked up again for a third mm. season but yeah the wilds is absolutely brilliant it's like the same concept really where it's a bunch of just women on an island and then in the second series they do it again but with just men on an island and they were meant to do a third series where the two come together and I really wanted to see that I just think the whole concept is so interesting because we spend so much unnecessary energy really in our modern world like really thinking about gender and like separating different roles for different genders and it's nonsense really and Mm. to see women in yellow jackets and in the wilds perfectly capable of creating uh, a community and sustaining themselves like I get what you're saying with yellow jackets obviously it goes in a negative direction but they're able to feed themselves they're able to like look after each other keep themselves warm like even have like meaningful relationships and like live completely self-sufficiently mm. without any need of men mm. and same way as in the wilds and in um you know uh that first bit that I was talking about um it's the same isn't it the men are able to sustain themselves just fine mm. like all of these ideas of what men should be and what women should be mm. for me are ultimately nonsensical because we could all function absolutely fine um without do- doing that separation you know yeah, and also, like, I think that it's um, that it's okay that they behave badly towards each other. Like, I, yes. do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we've talked about this before, yeah. there's, like, this risk of it becoming this thing of, like, all female communities have to be, like, this kind of lovely sanctuary mm. of, like, womanhood or something where everyone is very nice to each other. Mm. Um, and in reality, it's just like any other society where there's going to be drama right. and you're gonna like some people and not like other people and you know yeah I guess like in a way that's probably the central thing that you and I are getting from watching Yellow Jackets that it's actually really as an audience member mm-hmm. really empowering to watch women who do not behave in the good girl way you know to see yeah. women who are in full ownership of their like <laughs> quote-unquote bad uh decision making and like mm you know they're really really not um doing everything they should be doing Mm. and they're just going off their gut impulses it's really exciting to watch isn't it yeah because I think like I mean just to get into some of the characters there's like you know Shauna she's like one of the main characters and she's like super intelligent girl at school right yeah I think but then the way that her life turns out is like she ends up marrying this guy that she was going out with her friend, actually, mm. like, at school. Yeah. And has had a kid with him. And her she's quite, like, bored, she's kind of bored housewife territory, isn't she? Mm. Like, it's not... When she was a teenager, like, her future looked like she was going to go to some amazing university and all of this stuff. Yeah. And, like, her life hasn't kind of turned out how she wanted. But she's interesting to me because she's, like, as a character, like, seen as this, yeah, like, super clever clogs girl... But she's actually, mm-hmm. like, one of the darkest of all of them, isn't she? In terms of, like, yeah. the stuff that she does um, without, I guess, doing too many spoilers. She does really without any, like, remorse often. Like, she just... Mm. Like, there's a scene, this is not a spoiler, where she, like, 
kills like a rabbit that she sees yeah. just and like completely like rips it apart right and like with yeah no emotion and it's like really gruesome mm. and you get I guess you also get a sense that she's probably done stuff like this loads because of that like yeah. cannibalistic rituals um yeah I think it's just so interesting to see women in that context I think it's just so rare that we see that and it actually makes me understand a bit better why so many men you know love um who directs Kill Bill? You know, those kinds of directors. Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where it's just like pure violence, men being violent. I know I know, Kill Bill is about actually a woman being violent. But do you see what I mean? It's like so many men go to cinema to see like these kind of bad boys. And actually we don't really have that. And Yellow Jacket, this was one of the first times I've seen that. And I've understood completely why it's so interesting. I guess we're, like, starting to have it now. Like, obviously, we talked about on another episode, like, about Killing Eve. And it's, like, we're starting to yeah, see, yeah, yeah. like, bad women a lot. Like, mm-hmm. almost to the point... It's kind of, like... I was about to say almost to the point where it's a trope, but, like, it annoys me that people say that because I feel like we've literally had this happening for, like, three years or something. And people are, like, such a trope. But we've had, like, this the male version yeah. for, like, fucking 100 years. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and it's exactly. like it's happening for like a few years for women and people are like oh so cliched like it's yeah, yeah it's frustrating and it's just it's freeing to see that like now I get why men like that so much because I think as you know normal people in the world we don't get to indulge our base like horrific thoughts at all Mm. and not that we'd want to but it's just like we're so repressed especially like British people we're so repressed aren't we we really don't do anything that we like impulsively or spontaneously you know like Mm. we do everything that we should do Mm. and to see people on screen who do everything they shouldn't do is really fun isn't it (laughs) yeah and it's definitely what again is like appealing about this like witchy stuff to me it's like it's very liberating like there's a I mean I guess this is like a male version but like I don't know if you've watched Peep Show there's that episode Mm -hmm, of Peep Show where Mark goes to Rainbow Rhythms like oh yeah (laughs) which is like this really hippie like dance class and I think the thing you're talking about well he's like such a repressed person (laughs) and he's so like uptight and he can't there's yeah all these hippies and they're like moving through different colors they're like now we're going into yellow and like pink and like getting people to express themselves and he like he just it's like his worst nightmare he can't do it but then it's like something something switches and he goes like completely mental and like lets it all out to the point where like actually everyone in the class is like freaked out by him <laughs> and I'm like I think that's like what you were talking about it's like this witchy stuff is like allows you to just like let go a little bit and like yeah you know, escape like society and the expectations yeah absolutely and like on a simple level in terms of like why do me and Natalie and people similar to us enjoy this kind of stuff it's because it allows us to have conversations that really get away from our repressed tendencies you know like we're not sitting there over a drink talking about like our job prospects and like 
you know, marital status and all this absolute nonsense, which I couldn't care less about. You know, we're actually just talking about like, what are your core personality traits based on <laughs> your recent <laughs> horoscope? Like, I'm horoscope sorry, but, yeah, like I'd yeah. rather talk about that personally. Um, but yeah, coming back to what you were just saying, I guess I wanted to talk about um, the character of Willow in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Um, Nat- Natalie hasn't seen that show, but... I grew up on that show. I wonder if it's because we're slightly different in age, but I literally, I remember um, coming home from school and my next door neighbor was my friend, uh, my best friend at the time. And I used to go around to her house next door and we would like crack open the Buffy box set. Mm. And it was like, you know, proper. The DVDs. What you, like, the, the, <laughs> no, not DVDs, Natalie. Like, VHS. I'm old. like it was like VHS. Yeah. Um, and we put it in and we'd have our snacks. I mean, that's what we would do every night is watch like as many episodes of Buffy as we could before our parents like pulled us out of the cave of the room with the snacks. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure there's other people listening who have the same absolute love of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and I could talk about it all day long, but I'll just talk about uh, the one character of Willow because I think, especially for the crowd that we're directly talking to through this podcast, like, Willow is such a bookstagram girl, like at her core. Mm. She's so nerdy, just like us. And, you know, in the first series, she wears like dungarees and cute jumpers and like she loves being in the library. Like she's just such one of us. Mm. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I guess you'd say like that she's kind of the Velma of the group. She's like super nerdy. She looks nerdy. She owns it. And it's, I think what's really lovely about Buffy in general is that all of the women are very different and it has really positive roles for women, Mm. but they're also different to each other. You know, like compared to Buffy, Willow's completely different. You know, Buffy is very um, sort of overtly sexual in the way that Cassie from Euphoria is. You know, she's always got perfect blonde hair and little Mm. mini skirts and um, she's, you know quite popular and um like I guess high maintenance whereas Willow is the opposite but they're best friends and um it's lovely how they never really change that core thing Mm. um just like Daphne and Velma really I guess they might they might Mm. have based it on that um so that's lovely anyway then with Willow um what happens is at the same time as she never changes that core element of her personality, she does go on this amazing journey, um, which I love. Um, and it's amazing that all of this was happening, you know, in the 90s, where there really wasn't this much uh, positive representation for women on screen as there is now. You know, you're saying the last three years. Like, it was... Buffy really does stand out to me compared to the other things I was watching, like The O.C. and, you know, Gossip Girl and stuff like that. Like, it really is a feminist show, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the key reasons is because um, Willow you know, you, you really see her full character arc. So she goes from this nerdy kid to kind of somebody who's exploring witchcraft and be using that as like her whole identity eventually in like a positive way. Like it's really lovely how she meets this girl called Tara. Well, they say Tara, like they're American. But I'm just mm. going to call her Tara. Um, and then starts like a lesbian relationship with with Tara um, and so she's like falling in love at the same time as she's like falling into witchcraft and it's all really beautiful and lovely. And then you get another phase of her life where um, she's lost Tara and 
she becomes what they're calling Dark Willow. Um, mm. And it's as if the witchcraft has kind of overcome her um, mm. and she's addicted to it. And then that gets more into the realm of exactly what we're talking about with Yellow Jackets, where mm. it's really worrying how much the power has gone to her head and stuff. Mm. Um, but like, even that, I really enjoyed that. You know, I, I remember vividly the scenes where she's got like black veins popping and her black eyes are popping out and mm. like she's she's like, like kind of raising from the floor to the sky, you know, with like poor CGI. Mm-hmm. But it they like felt so cool at the time. Mm-hmm. But like that at that time, you know, when I was in other contexts, I was used to seeing characters like Marissa on the OC who were just like alcoholics living off daddy's money and like miserable and relying yeah. on men for validation to see a woman like willow who was like so powerful that the whole world were like you know cowering before her was yeah. like oh my god this is amazing like yeah i can't tell you the influence that she had on my life and i think a lot of other people's too so there's my rant over <laughs> yeah yeah i agree with you and it's like nice not to have this kind of angelic portrayal of like what women should be like you know yeah this is like not a witchy example but like it sort of taps into I don't know if you read the book The Power by Naomi Alderman I love that book yeah I love it yes good idea it's a great because you know that's about a world in which women can like electrocute people with their hands basically like they suddenly get this power that like spreads and I think it's a great book because it's kind of like what would the world look like if women had all of the power Mm-hmm. and it's like not necessarily good like I think that's what's yeah. good about the book it's like it's not saying that like women are these like perfect angels like mothers mothering people yeah. right it's like they also behave badly towards people and they would also treat mm. people and men badly like there would be women that would be sexist towards men or would use that power in a you know damaging way and I think yeah. that's what I liked about that book is I was like you kind of go into it almost expecting, I think, for it to be this, like, amazing world of, like, there's that mm. thing of, like, oh, if women ran the world, almost everything would be great. Yeah. And it's like, well, women are people too. Like, they have, they can also be evil and do bad things, you know? it's Yeah, absolutely. I think what that book does really well is, like, through that dystopian world, it shows how flawed our current structure is doesn't it you know it's actually not really showcasing what the world would be like with women in all the powerful positions it's it's more talking about um what the world currently is like Mm. because we only put one gender in all the powerful positions you know what I mean Mm. yeah and like you know you see in that book like you're saying constantly the women are mistreating the men and you feel really sorry for the men and mm. that is really interesting in itself. I felt really like close to the male characters and like I really empathized with them so much, mm. which was super interesting because I think I do struggle with that, to be honest, in my life as a human on earth now. You know, we're so used to seeing men be all powerful and like all in control kind of thing. And it was brilliant in that book to see just how vulnerable men of course are they're just human beings Mm. and like to see them being mistreated in the way that we're constantly being mistreated as women was like yeah brilliant brilliant book (laughs) Mm. yeah and I guess maybe in that sense like this what you're talking about of like whenever whenever there is just one gender 
like we're so mm. it's not when there's not equality in that way it's going to be a problem like it is like that's yeah. what a lot of these examples we're talking about are suggesting of like for it to be all feet and all female community is also going to have a, da- mm-hmm. a negative impact you know um like I wanted to talk a bit about um a book that we actually read in the club called the dangers of smoking in bed um which is a book of short stories and is very like horror kind of witchy um and you didn't read this one but I think probably almost like a year ago now and there are a couple of short stories in it which are about about the things we're talking about of like one is uh, a story about a group of teenage girls who are basically like there's this boy that they really they all fancy this teenage boy and there's um a woman that he's friends with who's he is more like his age and he's obviously just more interested in her and they're all jealous of her Mm. and as a group they're all like hanging out at this kind of lake area and there's they talk about how there's like a statue there's supposed to be like a statue of like the virgin mary nearby Mm. and as the story progresses like one of the girls in the group goes and finds the statue and like makes some kind of sacrifice to the statue and the step like you find out that basically these wolves appear and like attack the boy and the woman mm-hmm. um and it's very much like yeah group of teenage girls like I think that the teenage girls thing like we've done like a teenage episode of like the f- like how formidable like a group of yeah. teenage girls can yeah. be and like tying it into this kind of witchcraft thing mm-hmm. um and like those you know those emotions of like jealousy and those things that you're feeling and like how I don't know scary mm. I guess like this group of girls c- can be yeah um, and there's another story that was about uh again with this like female thing that there's more to do with like mothers and daughters and I guess it's about mm-hmm. sort of like trauma or how that's passed on in that it's a story where this girl is having like horrible terrifying like visions all the time where she's seeing you know like ghosts like witchy like women and stuff like terrifying yeah. things almost like the grudge or something I guess do you know what I mean if you've seen that film <laughs> where like this like thing these things are like haunting her yeah and so she's having a shit time and you as the story progresses you you find out that her her mother like her, and her auntie and her sister were all all had this like curse that's been like passed down through the generations and in order to mm-hmm. rid themselves of it they like put it onto her so they've like mm-hmm. given her all of the curse and she has to carry it now which felt like a bit of like a metaphor or something for you know mm. um passing down trauma between and like between women specifically oh yeah um that's good so yeah it's i mean it's a it's a, all of the stories in the book are like that they pretty much all mm-hmm. have a kind of supernatural element and some are more I guess female focused than others but um it's yeah it's I don't know it's in these things that interesting to me about like looking at like female relationships and female communities and like um the negative sides of that you know as well mm-hmm. so maybe I'll just sneak in like Sabrina the Teenage Witch yeah. as like a last witch example yeah, yeah. we both watched the one like the original one when we were younger didn't we 
Yes. I mean, I feel like you have more to say on it than I do. I can't really remember. Like, the one when I was younger, I remember being, like, funny and similarly within that witch territory of, like, Megan Mog and, like, you know, like, yeah, nice, yeah. nice witch. And, like, she had a cute cat called Salem who was a man that spoke, right? Right. <laughs> like, was, like, a man yeah. in a cat's body. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all I remember as well, really. It was just a really cute, yeah, like, homey show. And yeah. she had two aunts and yeah. that structure is still kind of the same in the adaptation, but everything else has changed. So she still lives with two aunts who are witches and the two aunts are different to each other. Um, but it's expanded out way further where there's loads and loads of other characters. She goes to like a witch school and originally she goes to her normal high school. So a lot of it is about the tension between um, her average life in high school and then her witchy life which again I think is true in the original um but anyway as the adaptation goes on and on it expands even further so it's not just the original high school and the um you know the witchy high school it's now also hell um so and eventually like I think it's season two where Sabrina has so much trouble distinguishing like it's like sort of being in all these different places at once that she literally decides to split herself and become two different versions of herself. One of them is in hell and one of them is on earth. And I thought that concept was quite interesting. Like if it had been done better, it would be great. But I have to say like the writers of Sabrina and the who were the same writers of Riverdale are absolutely bonkers. Like the people who are actually on the show Riverdale have said in multiple interviews that like this is absolute nonsense at this point because mm. they just throw in storylines like there's no tomorrow mm. and the universe expands and expands and expands to the point where it just doesn't make sense anymore. Mm. Um, but I would say what it does really well in both the cases of Riverdale and Sabrina is that, it, it, you know, the representation is quite good. Um, the imaginativeness is quite good. You know, if you're into witches in general, it is worth a watch. And I think the characters are, you know, quite well written um, to the point where you're really invested in, um, you know, the love triangle and yeah. like Sabrina herself is quite fun. And I would say like, coming back to everything we've said before, I suppose that's a really good show to watch if you're looking for something which shows witches in like a positive light. Because yeah. to be honest, even when she's in hell, she's pretty fun and sparky, you know? Like, yeah. She's so bubbly and cute. Yeah. Like, she's she's really not bad. You never really see her as bad. You know, she has this kind of curly bob and a hairband, and she's always prancing around in her miniskirts, and she looks great. And, I mean, she's just... At the, you know, it is that thing of the teenage girl trope again, mm. but really it's just a teenage girl having fun. And it's the kind of show that, like, if I had a young teenage girl or if I was a teenage girl myself, I'd be happy for them to watch this um, and not be traumatised in the way that they would if they watched Yellow Jackets, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, similarly, like, whilst they're, like, the villains, that's how I feel about, like, Hocus Pocus. Like, it's a very... Yeah. They're really funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, the three where they're really... Yeah. Um, they, they kind of, like, toy with people as mm -hmm. well. And there's a lot of, like, playfulness within their sort of witchiness, you know? Like, yeah. Um, which I guess is maybe why it's used so often as, like, a kid's for kids stories and like yeah you know, for sure characters. 
that element like, of while like we're magic, on kid stories basically. like we didn't we didn't say we were going to talk about this but like while we're on kid stories should we not mention hermione i mean yeah like iconic, <laughs> iconic it's so wish. tricky isn't it because like hermione is a character fantastic jk rowling like the devil maybe you know <laughs> like it's so difficult to even talk about harry potter now but Hermione's definitely a character that had a massive influence on me growing up mm-hmm. and like yeah and at least Emma Watson who played Hermione has kind of very much like spoken out against J.K. Rowling oh, and, I love her know. yeah I love her um I think it's interesting Harry Potter because it's sort of like so big that it is mm. it is bigger than J.K. Rowling do you know what I mean like really it's kind yeah. of got a life beyond her and I think it's sad almost to ask like a generation of kids to just mm. completely do away with Harry Potter you know because yeah. of her um and I don't even think that she now with a lot of the franchise actually uh financially benefits I think Warner mm-hmm. Brothers own um a lot of the you know intellectual property so for sure like now we've got not that feel too, too bad about that I <laughs> yeah. think I'm saying that like not completely yeah. confident but I'm it's like you're not you're not just giving your money to someone who's transphobic. Okay, so um, yeah, thanks for doing that. And now I feel like <laughs> okay, that's talking about it. So I guess what I was gonna say is that I guess with Hermione, even coming back to like Willow in Buffy as a character, mm. linking that to Hermione and Harry Potter, you know, for me, an element of witchiness is bookishness and. Mm. What's so great about Hermione is that, like, the more she reads, the more power she has, and the more, like, yeah, she's the most dangerous of their little group of three because she knows so much, which is exactly the same with Willow and Buffy. Mm. And I, I really, really love that trope, obviously, as someone who reads, like, <laughs> voraciously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I really identified with, like, Hermione when I was a kid because mm. I was very, like, bookish and, um, even like she does have that like she's got like crazy like wild hair and stuff yeah <laughs> she's quite like witchy isn't she, she but is. I suppose also a little bit uptight maybe the witchiness kind of allows her to like be a bit less like that <laughs> she because she That's is a little true. isn't she um, yeah I, can, I love that as well though I think the permission to be like that is great mm. too that's something we haven't really spoken about with any of the other characters I think that's something I definitely related to with Hermione where she's a bit abrasive and not the most likable girl. Mm. And yeah, like she is a good girl, I guess, but she's not a particularly nice girl. You know, she's not warm. I guess like, I can't remember the name of the character in Harry Potter that's like, oh yeah. Um, Emma Thompson's character in Mm. Harry Potter is more what you'd imagine like kind of a crazy witch as well isn't Mm. she that's quite a fun witch um yeah kind of kooky and that's a fun way to think of it as well I guess yeah but yeah maybe let's just wrap it up I mean can I before we do I just wanted to mention one horror film which is good alongside Suspiria which is a good horror film about witches um there's a film called The Witch, which is a Robert Eggers film with Anna Taylor Joy as like the main woman in oh, it. I love her. And, um, it's yeah. I mean, I think we can talk about it very briefly because I think it's this thing we've been talking about—the kind of the liberation that like 
which witchiness can give you like I watched this film and I thought it was quite a feminist film because it's essentially about like a family that leave this like puritanical religious community and kind of live go and live by themselves and um some bad things kind of happen within the family and the the girl who's played by Anna Taylor-Joy is like completely blamed for everything that happens yeah and is kind of starts to be kind of branded by her own family as a witch potentially and there's this real fear of witches like within this community anyway and like as the film goes on she sort like become like becomes a witch sort of almost because she's being brandished this way and it's like but the way that the witches are shown which is like whilst they do these kind of evil like satan worshipping things is that it's like this alternative for her of like independence like liberation and like mm-hmm. power in comparison to to the society that she's in which doesn't give her any of that and it's almost like her only other option and again yeah whilst it's like shown as there's some evil behaviors it's like I found a very like feminist film in terms of being like well almost like what I left it being like well well, probably I would also want to choose that like even though it's yeah scary this that they're doing like in comparison to the world that she's given it's like this amazing sort of empowering Mm. life of you know freedom and like yeah I mean that's a big part of why we are intrigued by it anyway isn't it really yeah like this is a spoiler so I'll just warn about it in the notes but like right at the end you see her go and join this group of witches and she's like completely naked and she like runs off Mm. like hysterically laughing into this like fire where they're all dancing around a fire (laughs) and it's that thing of like yeah like wilderness and like empowerment and I think like yeah with Halloween coming along a good way to wrap this up is like there's a lot of like there is a lot of empowerment in these things I think you know yeah like witchy things which I guess is like partly why we're interested in them um so yeah do it go and go and sage your house and uh, <laughs> next time there's a full moon light Think a fire of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah burn Amazing. an effigy <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah totally oh I've enjoyed this it's been great yeah let's yeah. do our um recommendations yeah. I've um I to be honest have been mainlining Gilmore Girls so mm-hmm. I can't have I can't really recommend any TV at the moment mm-hmm. um but I wondered whether it was worth discussing slightly what I'm getting from my Gilmore Girls binge yeah definitely. <laughs> which uh is I mean I know last week we discussed about the motherhood elements um but I'm finding it really interesting the Dean character because I didn't like Dean as a teenager. Mm. And even as an adult, I'm seeing exactly why I didn't like him. Because he's so jealous and possessive of Rory. Like, he mm. treats her in the same way that Edward Cullen treats Bella in Twilight. You know, we discussed mm. that, didn't we, a few like, episodes ago? To the Twilight episode. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Little shout-out to the Twilight episode. <laughs> Little shout-out. Yeah, yeah so I, it's really annoying me at the moment, the amount that... Um, like really Dean is somebody who it seems to me doesn't really have anything at all in common with Rory I can't understand why they're together and anything she does she she so much as moves wrong and he's critical of her and like jealous and bossy and I absolutely hate him as a character so that's what I'm getting from it but I'm loving that now I'm getting to the series where Jess turns up and he's questioning 
literally questioning all those things. You know, he's saying to Rory, what do you guys talk about? And it's like, yeah, of course, you know, what an amazing move from the writers to undermine the relationship they created originally and point out all the flaws in it. So that's where I'm up to with that. And then um, a little bit more highbrow. (laughs) Uh, I also read Running Upon the Wires by Kay Tempest, who's one of my favourite, like, musicians, writers, poets. Um, It's a really short book uh, of poetry about her like kind of like two of her recent relationships like one of them was really um traumatic and destructive and then the subsequent relationship was really empowering and loving and it was kind of about how she got from one relationship to the next and obviously it's not that she got from one to the next really seamlessly like it was difficult to be alone it was difficult to be with one partner it was even difficult to be with the second partner who was openly showing her affection and love. And it's kind of about how, like, she learns to, like, understand and open up to, like, reciprocal, caring love, which I think kind of takes me back to the Gilmore Girls thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've come full circle. Like, you just got to find the person that's right for you. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. High five, high five. Yeah, I... also feel that way about Dean. I'm glad that you said that. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did a, I did a poll uh, with the Feminist Fiction Club mm. and a surprising amount of people thought that uh, Rory was best with Logan. And I mean, I won because Jess was the overall winner. So thank mm. goodness for that. But I can't understand why she's ever with Logan either. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, you, you've, you've, you've allowed me to talk more about this. So <laughs> L- Logan is like her university boyfriend and he is like so pretentious and to me, like everything that's wrong with the world, to be honest. I just feel like he's such a powerful, privileged white man with no remorse, no kind words for anyone around him. He's so rude, obnoxious, cruel to her as well as the people around him. I mean, cannot understand for a second why anyone would support that relationship. I guess perhaps they're supporting the idea that, like, this is the life that Rory is moving towards. You know, she's on a journey towards, like, an academic journey, if you will. You know, he's as academically sharp as Mm -hmm. she is. But I just think that's about it for me that's about all the connection that you could draw between those two characters I mean she's so sweet and good-natured and kind and he's none of those things and I get that opposites attract but like I was really surprised that people were like shipping that anyway sorry I'm 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 really done now (laughs) (laughs) that's okay (laughs) I feel like it's the right audience this podcast will be into the Gilmore Girls analysis um (laughs) My recommendations, like, one thing I'm going to recommend is that, because I just watched it last night and I mentioned it to you, this show, Jimmy Carr Destroys Art. Um, oh, yeah. Which I think is just a one-off thing. But it's basically a show where they, like, get these very, you know, like, famous works of art and they they pit them against each other and they get an audience to choose which one they're going to destroy. So they're actually destroying That's fun. these bits of art. A very um, topical as well at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, and with some of them, they just choose whether or not to destroy it. Like, they just have single ones. And then with others, they, like, have to choose, they have to pick between two. Okay. But they're works of art that are, like... Like, for example, they have one work of art that's by 
Rolf Harris and mm-hmm. one that's by Eric Gill, both like incredibly abusive men, right? You know, oh. just, like, terrible. Um, but it was the debates are so interesting. Like me and my boyfriend mm. were just like like came across it on TV and were like totally hooked. Like because they have people cool. fight, kind of fight either side or argue why one should be destroyed over the other. And like, wow, cool. It's and also it's just interesting of like should we destroy art? Like there are a lot of people mm. on there who are saying, for example, that you shouldn't just like there was like some work by Hitler some art by Hitler and there was like wow. some incredibly like racist kind of cartoons from like the mm-hmm. early like 19th century I think and there were people arguing there that we shouldn't destroy them because uh they we need them to remind us of like our history and like right. why you know like what why things were so bad like the bad things that we've done and they were kind of they their feeling was that by removing it we were like kind of whitewashing history you know Mm. and that it was important that they remained and then I yeah and then you know there were other arguments like there was there was like an artist who's taken pictures of like little kids like running around naked and like they were her kids and it was like is this okay or not okay I don't know it was like I was super like interested in that I think a lot of the time we were listening to both sides of the argument and they're kind of both right. Do you know what I mean? And you're mm. leaving being like, oh, they're both right. I, like, I genuinely don't really know. <laughs> like, I was like, like what would yeah. you, um, like, since we've, like, sort of mentioned Harry Potter in this episode, maybe we should, like, finish on that big question. Yeah. Like, would you throw away Harry Potter? Like, because we now feel that its author is so uh, abrasive and awful. I think, like... There's um, there's a degree to which, like, I think there's no point doing it with some people. For example, on the show last night, they had a, um, a piece of, like, a sculpture by Picasso. Mm-hmm. And they talked... Because Picasso is, was, like, pretty awful, actually, when you dig into his life. You know, he like, misogynistic, abusive. Mm-hmm. Thing, like, he put, like, a cigarette out on a woman's face. Do you know what I mean? Just, I like, heard that, yeah. I knew that. Heinous mm-hmm. stuff. Quite but, a lot of them are like that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a problem in itself because it's like with Picasso, like his his influence is so big. Do you know what I mean? Mm, in mm. in as an artist, doing getting rid of this one sculpture <laughs> is not really going to do anything as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's all, mm. he's already had that impact. He's already had that influence, and I feel like there are some things similarly with Harry Potter. While it's maybe less like highbrow <laughs> as a cultural mm-hmm. example the impact of Harry Potter has, like, already happened. There's, yeah, I think yeah. the reach However, of it like... is huge. I think when it is... The only thing I think about it is, is just thinking about where you put your money. Like, yeah. if you're buying something that is going... That J.K. Rowling is going to benefit from you buying. If you're buying something that the Picasso estate, I guess, is going to benefit from now. Mm. Like, just don't <laughs> do that. Like, that would be yeah. my argument. But I think there's sort of... Um, yeah it's like there's there's with with destroy there's a part of me that was like destroying the picasso do you know just because i thought it was like a bit of a like fuck you to him but at the same time like what's what is that gonna do it's not gonna really do anything i think like one of the things that you can do to kind of balance things out a bit more is just to expand the like amount of art and and similarly like the amount of like tv movies 
that are created by people that you do respect like start yeah. watching and absorbing those things more like actually this links in well with the podcast that I've been listening to loads at the moment and I mean it's a massive podcast so maybe everyone's already heard of it but because it's art related maybe this particular audience won't have um but I'm listening to the great women artists have you listened to that before no. okay great yeah I was hoping maybe it was just yeah. more like my art friends that like listen to that uh it's by Katie Hessel who's an amazing art historian and basically every episode of that podcast she either interviews a female artist or she interviews a female curator about a show that they're doing on a on a famous woman artist so for example i listened to one recently which is by a creator who was doing that yayoi kusama show mm-hmm. um which if you don't know is the artist who does all the massive um spotty fruits and walls mm. of spots and things and that's coming to Manchester soon actually mm. and I'm sure it'll be coming to the other places in the UK that we've got um book clubs in so get your tickets because it's yeah you can, mm. literally it's gonna run out soon and those are amazing like um, immersive um uh, experiences as exhibitions because it's like you walk into the room and there's spots everywhere and you're you become like part of the exhibition so I guess what I'm saying is listen to that um because then immediately you're going to be exposed to loads of female artists and the more that we can engage with like art from women rather than just the art of like the old masters like picasso mm. the the less their influence mm. well the, le- the less influence they have right mm. like mm. you know yeah and uh, and just yeah i mean i think it's like just ben- beneficial anyway isn't it just learning and expanding mm. like because yeah. there are so many people as well that people like Picasso and like one th- they were talking about this in this show of like how much he sort of like used other cultures and influences and has been that then credited for those things oh. without sort of properly crediting like where where he got the inspiration Ooh, from. Oh, like Elvis. It really annoys me that about yeah. Elvis. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's really I found it really like fascinating and I do think it's a difficult question this like is can you separate the art from the artist it's a really difficult question that's like very complex and I think sort of has to be taken on a case-by-case basis you know like Mm -hmm. in terms Mm -hmm. of analyzing it um because it's so complex but yeah I found it like really interesting and I was like I don't think I'm engaging with that kind of like debate that much I mean it was really good to watch yeah. it was a very like well-managed debate I thought mm-hmm. like between people and they got audience responses and they, they were really interesting as well where like you know they they didn't destroy the Picasso they decided not to and then mm-hmm. they, they asked them about it and they then w- were like there was a part of me they were saying like when they interviewed the audience members that then were like after not destroying that there's now a part of me that's like why did we think it was okay to destroy these other artists just because they're less mm. they're less well known and now I'm like questioning all my decisions and I was like so is <laughs> such an interesting yeah, yeah. thing to have to do or decide upon well so, I mean like I just want to say relate to that like as someone who loves art I personally completely support what the climate activists are doing in terms of throwing too, yeah. paint on yeah. famous paintings at the moment I feel like that's worth mentioning as part of this discussion just because I feel like people might assume that someone really arty would would like hate that I'd be shocked by that but I think 
personally, I think like everything you've just said is so interesting. And I think it should be art in general should be a con- like an ongoing conversation. Mm. And that's part of it. Like it, it doesn't for me just stop where the maker, like whether it's the writer or the artist or whatever, like the person making the thing mm. is, is the beginning of what it is. Mm. And I think you're right when it comes to Harry Potter where it, we've come so far away from the original thing that she, she made in a little mm. cafe in Scotland where it's become a, a sort of amalgamation of people's responses to it as well and along the way it changes and morphs and like yeah. how great that people are interacting with these um world famous artworks giving them a new meaning mm. and i think van gogh would be really in support of what they're doing i mean he had a really really hard life mm. um and i'm sure that it wasn't his aim that people who were way more privileged than him uh would be the ones mainly able to appreciate his work like Mm. what these people are doing has actually brought loads more attention to his work to an audience of people who are much more normal and can engage with the massive issue that our world our planet is uh okay i'm really going into a rant here now but do you know what i mean like it's way more important than ours the reaction to it is like as just almost like a side note, they're not actually even damaging the pages. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. That's, just like, yeah, that's the most important thing. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like it's really telling of what like headline culture we live in now in terms of like people getting so angry. It's like just shows you that people are not actually reading articles or like looking into it in like yeah. any detail. Because it's like if you literally like <laughs> did that, you would understand in an instant that these paintings are not being harmed and like this is a statement. Yeah, like, nothing has happened to the painting. Just wipe <laughs> off the soup and it's fine. Like It's so stupid. But yeah, anyway, we should wrap up um, <laughs> before we get into deep into that. But that, yeah. that is my, that's my recommendation. Like, I found it totally fascinating. And yeah, I think you can watch it on plus Channel 4, Plus 1. Yeah, cool. Um, Brilliant. All 4, that's what it's called. Um, <laughs> yes. So just again, like a little reminder that if you want to join the book club, go to uh, at feminist.fiction on Instagram. We have in-person clubs in Manchester, London, Belfast, uh, Liverpool. Did I say Leipzig? Leipzig, Hal. Is that everywhere? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Um, and um, a little plea as well that like we've got a few like people doing the five stars on Spotify for this, but it'd be mm. great if you if you like this and you've been listening to it. Yeah, and also, like, writing something is great. So, like, yeah. obviously just reviewing is great, but if you can leave us a little comment, that's super helpful, and obviously share the podcast with anyone that you think will like it. Yeah, we'd really appreciate it. And we do really, really appreciate the people who keep listening to us week after yeah. week. It honestly makes my day when I hear people messaging and like just engaging with what we're saying in their own way and bringing more stuff to it is so interesting yeah. your Tell thoughts us about, about your it witchy things yeah <laughs> Tell us what star sign you are more importantly oh my God. that's our favorite topic so please do and yeah. uh yeah happy halloween everyone i hope you have a very spooky and fun time <laughs> yeah happy halloween <laughs> thank you for listening thank you for listening bye guys bye. <laughs>